Hi, I'm Chelsea, the Christian Nutritionist. Welcome to the Christian Health Club podcast. We are here to fire you up in spirit, mind, and body so that you can get out into the world and be everything God created you to be. Welcome to the club. Here we go. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the club. Here recently in the Christian Health Club podcast, we've been talking a lot about how your mind plays such a huge role in your health. You know, health is a full spirit, mind, body package, and you cannot have one without addressing the other. Again, and that's why God's word is just always reminding us to manage our minds, to guard, to protect, to renew the way that we think. Proverbs 4:23 says, "More than anything you guard, protect your mind, for life flows from it." The way that you think and what you believe tells your body what to do. So, you know, I think a lot of us kind of know this on a very simple level. You know, that looks like Hey, body, grab that donut, <laughs> you know, <and> your, <laughs> your hand yeah. like reaches out and grabs the donut, right? It's like very straightforward. We can all understand how that works. Your mind said, do it and your body did it. It obeyed. The thought precedes that action. I mean, that's always how it is. I know a lot of you are like, but I don't want to grab the donut and I do it, in <laughs> I do it anyway. Yeah. And, um, you know, your mind is still driving your action. You just don't realize it. And that's exactly why we have to slow down and pay attention to what is going on in our heads because there's nothing that happens in the physical, in our bodies, that doesn't first appear in the mental, in our minds. This is true at the donut level and it's true on a much, much deeper level, on a cellular level. When it comes to health, when it comes to healing, our bodies are always listening for instructions from our mind. And so many of us don't realize how much our thoughts and beliefs influence how we heal or don't heal. This is important stuff, y'all. To help me dig into this topic, I have special guest Megan Van Ziel from Cancer Peace University on with me today. You may remember that I had Megan on in episode 20 to talk about the role of iodine, or rather how the lack of iodine can contribute to breast and thyroid cancer. That was a very physically focused conversation um, that we had about how nutrients impact health. But the physical part is only one branch of Megan's expertise. She uses a full spirit mind body approach when it comes to cancer prevention and supporting her clients through a cancer diagnosis, which is exactly why I wanted to have her back on the podcast. She not only works directly with clients, but also trains other holistic health professionals through her Cancer Peace University program to equip them with this holistic approach as well. Megan received an honorary doctorate from United Theological College in Philosophy of Humanities for her significant work 
for those diagnosed, diagnosed with cancers. She has a master's degree in human development counseling from Vanderbilt, and she is a nutritional therapy practitioner, which is how I know her. We are both trained as nutritional therapists under NTA. Um, she's just a wealth of knowledge and truly so committed to compassionate care for those she serves. And I'm just so glad to have her back on with us today. Welcome, Megan, back to the Christian Health Club podcast. Thank you, Chelsea. I'm really excited. This is one of my favorite topics, and I'm so excited to share this information with your podcast. Yes, it is. It's a really big one. It's um, it's a huge topic to dive into. And so exactly all of you out there, you might want to go get your peppermint essential oil and take a big whiff. <laughs> I did open up your mind because we need some clarity. This is going to be big. And so um, we are going to be talking about how the mind, how our thoughts um, do influence our health. So let's just kind of start here, Megan, with um, what is the role of beliefs and thoughts and our emotions, our feelings? What is the role of that in a cancer diagnosis? Yes, now that is a huge question and can go <laughs> so many directions, but I'm really going to try to focus on uh, my specific approach and what I've found to be helpful with my clients because there are a lot of ways, a lot of strategies in psychology and counseling. My background is in counseling, and I also have um, been ordained as a minister. And there's so many different strategies that people have in counseling and in helping people process trauma and shift their thoughts and their emotions and their beliefs as well. But in my specific approach, we really look at how biology is connected to the soul realm and the spirit realm and how to have the most impact in internal transformation. Because Japanese research found that spontaneous remission from cancer occurs within 24 hours of an internal transformation. And our goal when we look at thoughts, emotions, and beliefs is to trigger an internal transformation. Because as you were talking about with thoughts leading to behavior, your thoughts and your emotions have a role in genetic expression. And there's a term called epigenetics. Epigenetics means upon the gene. And it's a current area of research that is looking at how our thoughts, emotions, nutrition, and our beliefs can actually cause an impact on genetic expression, which would include the expression of oncogenes. Okay, so when we're talking about this, so I, for, you know, a lot of people are familiar with the term, you know, the genes, what's, you know, kind of how we're made up. And I, I just hear people saying, you know, oh, I, I'm doomed, you know, I'm doomed because my, you know, I have cancer in my family, you know, yes. it's in my, it's in my genes. That's what you hear, whether yes. it's cancer or something else. But what epigenetics is really is, is saying that you're not doomed to a diagnosis based on your genes, right? It's really, exactly. um, it's really so dependent on outside factors and influences. And that's why you can have two people in the same family, you know, same kind of, you know, cancer predisposition, 
one might get cancer, one may not, you know, it's, it's yes. not a given because it's in your genes that you're going to get it. So what, what is, what are those factors that influence it? That's kind of, you know, where we're digging into today. We know that it's, we know that nutrition, you know, plays a huge role, the air we breathe, the, you know, chemicals that we're exposed to, that's kind of uh, the more physical side of it. But there is this whole huge study of how, um, how the mind influences the genes as well. Is that, that's kind of exactly. what we're talking about. Okay. Yes. Exactly. That's what we're talking about because the myth is that cancer is a genetic disease, but this has been disproven on so many levels and current research shows that only five to 10% of all diagnoses of cancer have a, a direct genetic link. Wow. Genes are influenced indirectly by epigenetic cues and signals in the body, but we cannot no longer justify uh, our lifestyle and behavior and things that we engage in to say, oh, it doesn't matter what I do with my body or what I eat or my lifestyle because I may just be carrying a gene. It's no longer that simplistic. No, not at all. Um, so, okay. So tell us, you know, in your experience, what you see, I mean, how, how is this influencing um, kind of that, our thoughts and beliefs, turning on and off those switches. That's kind of how we describe it, right? Is yes. um, those, you know, expressing whether or not those genes are expressed are highly influenced by all of these things we're discussing. It's kind of like they can go in there and flip the switch on. Yep. yep. I mean, this is a very simplistic kind of way to describe it, but yes. um, those are the things that flip your cancer, you know, switch on or leave it off. So yes. dig into that a little more for us. So first of all, I'll just share a study because studies are always helpful. In one epigenetic study on prostate cancer, the, um, the group that was engaging in epigenetic changes had lifestyle changes implemented with a prostate cancer diagnosis. They engaged in one hour of meditation a day. They walked for one half an hour a day. They included a lot of fruits and vegetables. And three months later, they were found to have over 500 genes changed and the prostate cancer genes were literally shut down. Okay, uh, that, so that's like lifestyle. That, that wasn't with any medical no, intervention. No medical intervention at all. Okay, that's amazing. Yes, that's mind-blowing for people that still are a little bit fixated on the cancer gene myth. But basically, your thoughts and your emotions can create a healthy atmosphere in the body or a toxic atmosphere in the body. For example, fear has been found. Fear has been found to actually make over 1,400 biochemical changes within your body and to influence over 30 different neurotransmitters and hormones to change within the body in a negative manner. That's incredible in a really negative way and it shows how the body the biochemistry of your body completely shifts when you're operating in fear right let's so let's like okay let's take the 
that feeling of fear and um, you know, what it produces fear. There's that internal stress, which, you know, just produces cortisol. And so you're, you're just sitting in a cortisol bath, right? For people that are perpetually stressed and anxious and fearful about what's going on. That is a thought that produces a feeling that creates a, a biochemical reaction in the body um, that is not insignificant, as you just said. Um, That alone, just, you know, that living in that, marinating in that cortisol bath is going to change all kinds of other um, function in your body. So just kind of, you know, that's, I have to process it and think of it like, kind of like that, you know, just, just that one little example of being stressed out and, all the extra cortisol produced and that influencing so everything from hormones to I, I mean it just it impacts every system in the body yes and with chronic stress the stress response system can get to the point where it literally shuts down your body will downregulate the stress response system the HPA access when you have chronic stress or in your chronic state of fear and your body no longer can handle stress. And this actually can lead to a cascade of effects that can cause mitochondrial disease and lead to um, and have a, a one major factor in a cancer diagnosis. Okay, so like, you know, so we're talking adrenals, right, for one. Yes. Um, when, you know, when we are overly stressed, um, we can really affect the way that our adrenals are stress glands, so to speak, uh, function or don't function. Yes. Um, and so um, just, yes, I mean, that right there alone. And then and then all of it cascades down um, into, uh, you know, being more problematic. So yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so so what else? Tell us some more. Yes. So again, as I was saying earlier, there's many different ways to approach a internal transformation. But one thing that we do know about shifting our thoughts, our emotions, and our beliefs, we can't approach it on a surface level. They're really positive thinking, affirmations, um, talk therapy, all of these are more surface level of bringing up things over and over again, thoughts and emotions and patterns that aren't necessarily breaking the pattern, but it can perpetuate the pattern and actually make things even more exaggerated as we focus on the fear or we focus on the trauma without actually resolving it. Okay, so I was going to ask you that because there is a lot of, you know, people do a lot of work with, you know, trying to overcome negative thinking with positive thinking, which I don't think is bad. I mean, it's, it's always Not a bad helpful thing. to try to, you know, shift into a positive mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, a lot of people are, you know, speak affirmations and things, but I mean, does that truly work? I, you know, it's one thing just saying the words, just saying these affirmations, you know, um, if you don't, first of all, truly feel it in your core, if it feels like you're saying these things and they feel like a lie to you, that's not going to shift you internally. It's, um, it's very surface, you know, right. Like you said, and like you said, if you're not 
if you're not really um, addressing the underlying problem, that underlying thought, the trauma, the, the stressor, whatever it is, and you're just kind of trying to talk over it with your happy words, <laughs> you know, you're, <laughs> yeah, you're, yeah. you're just trying to like kind of smother it in positive thinking and, you know, happy words. It's not really um, dealing with it. It's almost kind yeah. of just trying to put a Band-Aid, you know, over it um, without really facing it head on to, uh, to move through it and past it. Exactly. That's so true. Um, and so what I would say um, on that line, Chelsea, is that we really need to understand how does our soul realm and our spirit realm interact with one another. And we need to look at really the conscious mind and the subconscious mind. The subconscious mind stores our core beliefs. And your core beliefs are developed from when you're in the womb to seven years of age. And what is a core belief? A core belief simply is a conclusion you come to, a belief that you develop based on your experience. So for example, a child um, in, it can be something very traumatic that is easily discerned as traumatic or it can be a perceived trauma or just perception in general. So a child, let's say a child is um, left at daycare and the parents, show up like two hours late and the child is like where the heck are my parents you know and that in whatever way they're processing in their little brains but the their little brains aren't quite sure what's going on they can't process it cognitively but emotionally they feel abandoned and they might actually come to a conclusion that in that moment in one moment they might come to the conclusion my parents have abandoned me and that belief can be stored in the subconscious mind and can impact that person's life for the rest of their life if they don't, um, as an adult, go back and deal with that perceived trauma in their childhood. I know, it's it's kind of freaky. I kind of describe it as, um, you, you know, there's this thought bank, you know, in your yep. brain. And thoughts that we think, you know, continuously, thoughts that we you know thought over and over thoughts that are formed when we're young so I've used this example you know in a health perspective and even um, even a weight loss perspective if you if you were somebody when you were young who watched your mother struggle with weight loss okay and, and this was consumed her life you are going to have this pre-programmed notion that losing weight is hard weight will sure. always be a struggle and that and it's just it kind of gets stored in your thought bank and as you mm -hmm. as you grow older and you're managing your own health it's like the automatic thought that keeps coming up from your thought bank is like you know mm -hmm. keeping your my weight down is hard and it and it influences the way that you end up uh, addressing your weight or eating or you know, it's just, it's so, um, it's kind of scary as parents when you think about, you know, mine are all pad, past age seven right now. I'm like, great, how did I screw them, screw them all up? <laughs> you know, what, what have I done? What kind of, you know, program have I put in their brains that they're going to be traumatized by later? But it is so true. Their experiences when they're young, um, you know, they form those, those thoughts and they just kind of get stored away. And then when we're older, they kind of 
come up automatically. That's really the way the brain is designed to work yes. is that it is the brain wants to be very efficient for you. So mm -hmm. it takes these thoughts out of the bank that has been stored and just kind of supplies them automatically. It's mm -hmm. just, and, and that's like going back to that donut example, it's why you can feel almost you act or you think or you're feeling against your will. Yes. Because what's happening is, is that your brain is just bringing those stored thoughts up automatically. It's kind of default mode. And yes. um, it's why it feels like it's happening to you. And that's why, like you were talking about, you have to really go in and actively recognize that and break that pattern. Yes. Break into it with intention and in dealing with it. And totally. Um, and that is, um, and that is definitely some work for people to do. It is. Mm -hmm. So how do you? So kind of tell us more. You know how? How do you go about that? Or or what? What kind of? What What is your approach? What do you see? Just dig yeah. in and tell us. That's great. So let me tell you. I'll give you a couple examples from some of my clients of what we've found with working with core beliefs and how to really have an internal transformation. So some of you are Pixar fans. I love Pixar movies. I'm the type of person that I cannot watch anything rated R or horror movies, but I will definitely sit down and enjoy a Pixar movie. But there's actually a Pixar movie called Inside Out. And Inside Out actually does a good job of showing how those core beliefs, so this character in um, Inside Out, she has these little thought characters or these emotion characters that are sadness, joy, anger, depression. And she also has her core belief, um, these beliefs that these core memories that are in the back of her brain and the subconscious mind that are triggered in everything that occurs. And so our every day when we experience something in present day reality, in a split second, our subconscious mind that stores the core beliefs in the subconscious mind will pull a, a belief from your memories from when you were in the womb to seven years of age and will know how to respond to an event based on that belief system that you've developed. Sometimes it's a good thing because you we obviously have good beliefs that are foundational, but then we all have these maladaptive core beliefs that are triggered that end up triggering these negative thought patterns and and beliefs and emotions like anger or sadness or depression. Um, and so to give you an example from one of my clients, um, one of my clients diagnosed with adrenal carcinoma, he had a memory that was triggered through just um, looking at the how the core beliefs are developed and he was going through some deep thinking processing and a memory came up that he wasn't fully consciously aware of and in this memory he it was actually this very um, low it wasn't like automatically you'd assume it was trauma it was in third grade he was actually just trying to impress a girl that he had a crush on he had a crush on this girl he wanted to be smooth and cool and make her laugh and she totally did not respond to his uh, funny, whatever he said. He felt so mortified. He felt rejected, misunderstood. He was so sad that this girl didn't um, understand what he was trying to do. 
And so he remembers for like a week or two just thinking about it and feeling bad about himself and he felt so misunderstood. And this experience caused him to really shrink back and have a fear of rejection, um, a fear of being misunderstood. And in present day, what he found out through prayer um, and really asking God why cancer developed in his body, he found out that he has been people-pleasing, just trying to make everyone happy, make his wife happy, his in-laws happy, his parents happy, and he was always stuffing his emotions and not voicing his true opinion out of that fear of rejection. And so that all came together for him, um, and he was really able to address that core issue. And what I call it is redesigning memories. So you have a memory like that misunderstanding in third grade, and we can address that memory because the spiritual realm is outside of time and space. God is outside of time and space, and he can redeem a specific memory that holds a lot of toxic emotions coming from those core beliefs. And so simple things like forgiving, he forgave the girl, he forgave himself. And the most powerful thing for him was to forgive himself in that memory. And the emotions of that memory shifted and he felt peace in the memory. He no longer felt that anxiety he felt as a boy. He no longer felt the rejection that he did as a boy because through prayer, we invite God in the memory, we have um, forgiveness and a new understanding of that memory. And that core belief, maladaptive core belief is now addressed, that memory is redesigned and now the internal transformation can happen and now he can be his true self in relationships and not trigger the stress response system that we had talked about earlier. Okay, so that was deeply that feeling, that thought was deeply stored basically in his thought bank and he faced it. But so how, how did he, I know somebody's going to be like, well, how, how am I going to know how to reach into my, you know, seven year old self and find that thing that yes. messed me up? You know, how, exactly. how do we do that? I mean, how do we know, how do we start with knowing what are the possibilities? What are those thoughts and emotions that are stored that could be causing um, you know, the extra stress in my body that's triggering my cancer or what have you. Exactly. So that's a great question. So we basically, we need to engage in deep thinking. Deep thinking literally changes the brain structure and deep thinking activates an introspective part of our brain called the default mode network. And in the default mode network, when we're deep thinking, we can start activating and connecting our subconscious mind with our conscious mind. And we can actually gain access to memories that we do not have conscious recollection of. But your subconscious mind knows what the pitfalls are, knows what those memories are that contain the trauma or the maladaptive core beliefs. But we need to engage in a process of deep, deep thinking prayer, meditation, journaling. So when I was in college and really started, I didn't really start a relationship with God um, until I was in college and just came to know some Christians in college. And this was about 20 years ago. And 
I started the first, this was the first time I really started to engage in a process of deep thinking. And when you first start this process, your mind can be very um, cloudy, it can be very chaotic, it's not very organized. And deep thinking is a process of also trying to organize your emotions, your thoughts, your beliefs, um, and put everything in order um, through prayer and through inviting God in that process. But in college, I would I go to Starbucks. I would um, my meditative music at that time was I would listen to Enya. Put Enya on. I had my journal. I would be journaling. All I would just basically write down all of my thoughts, and then eventually, as I was journaling, just free flowing all of my thoughts. At one point of the journaling, I would hit the emotion, and I would just start crying in Starbucks. I was like the girl sitting in the plush chair in Starbucks crying with Enya going blaring in my journal I would just I didn't care I, I didn't care what people thought I was I caught the emotion and it was like I finally had an emotional release and so and then when I hit the emotion now that's when I'm going deeper into connecting the subconscious to the conscious mind that's when you can actually start to have memories come to you that you did not have conscious recollection of and I remember a memory coming up when I literally um, shut down and stopped crying in front of women. And I had to work through that memory with God and forgive and make a new decision. Sometimes we make these decisions or an inner vow. I had to make a new decision. And I had a lot of transformation occur through this process that I went through over many, many months um, and actually many years. Um, and it can be overwhelming when you first start, but we need to engage in this process. And I would suggest spending an hour a day of starting out with journaling your thoughts, connecting with your emotions, praying, meditating on scriptures, and really inviting God to, to show you what you need to be aware of. Okay, first of all, I love Inya. We were probably listening to it about the same time. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of us probably went through an Inya stage. I do love me some Inya to just kind of relax. Um, but that, okay, that's really helpful. I have been working with my uh, members in my Christian Health Club and um, sharing some in social media. Through this process, I learned um, through a life coach and in a way to examine, examined what well, I call it like a thought download. And, you know, if you look at a thought, you write down a thought about something, um, say, okay, your thought is I'm never going to lose weight. I keep going back to this because this is what, <laughs> this is what sure. I work with my people on. Um, awesome. okay. So I'm never going to lose weight. That's the thought. Then you immediately think, what, what does that thought make you feel? You know, mm -hmm. I, I will never lose weight. Well, it can make people feel different things, but um, some of them might be hopeless. It might be desperate. It might be sad. Sure. Okay, so you examine the thought and then the immediate feeling that it makes you feel. Yes. And then from that feeling is when we typically take action. And so a thought leads to a feeling and a feeling leads to an action. And so for so many people, what will happen is in that feeling of feeling sad or depressed or hopeless, what a lot of people will do is 
is is taking action that you know that's when people wander in the kitchen and grab a bag of chips and just eat the whole sure. thing that's when um you know they they do they take actions out of that feeling that can end up sabotaging you know their goals but they don't ever sure. see it they don't they don't slow down enough to recognize that it's when it's like i'm grabbing the donut and i don't know why you know it's mm. it's the I'm going to the fridge and, you know, just going to town, you know, eating everything in there, or I'm grabbing the, the box of Chips Ahoy and eating the whole thing. Um, mm -hmm. You know, a, people start with a thought, which creates that feeling, and then they move into action mode. And if we can slow down that process and really look at it, that's when we can really start to realize why we're doing the things we're doing or, you know, what it's sure. leading to, but, um, but it's just another technique. Um, but, sure. it, but it does, it requires sitting down, thinking, yep. like pouring your thoughts out into paper and looking at it, looking at your thoughts. It's like, you know, taking everything out of your closet and, you know, evaluating what you want to put back in. Same with our thoughts. We have to take everything out of the mind closet look at what's what's there and what is worthy of putting back in the closet we want to um you know like you said kind of redesign um those memories those thoughts um in a way that is going to benefit our health yes mm -hmm. um so yeah okay what um so that was a really interesting example with that um with that client of yours, do you have, I mean, have you found that those kind of things, I bet you really come across some interesting ones. Yes. Um, I have another example that I think I would like to share too. So one of my clients that was diagnosed with colorectal cancer, she, through working with her, we found that she had this, um, subconscious fear of death, fear of dying young. And she didn't really know where it came from. And it would be like, because she'd be like driving on a bridge and imagine her car like flying off the side of the bridge and drowning in the, the river. She would imagine someone like coming in her house, breaking in and like, and like with a gun. And she had all these scenarios where she thought she was just going to die young. And she really needed to engage in a deep process of examining why she was having those thoughts come up and what she discovered through meditation and journaling and all of that and through talking talking it through with me is she and and through talking to her mom actually she found that she remembered um she finally connected with this memory when she was three years old when she almost drowned in a lake and she was rescued, like, and she could have drowned. And this memory of this trauma of almost drowning was what was triggering all these imaginations of near-death experiences. And it was stored in her subconscious mind. And she was able to gain access to it and really release some of those fears, fear of drowning, fear of death. It's unresolved. It also, the body storing those traumatic memories in the subconscious mind is a way of protecting us as well. Because can you imagine if we had conscious recollection of every trauma that's ever happened to us from <laughs> the womb to now? We would like not be able to get anything done. 
We would like sit on a couch, like crying all day, every day. Right. You'd never leave your house. You'd never leave your house. You'd never do anything. But you're, the God designed us in a really amazing way to allow those traumatic moments be stored in the subconscious mind to be dealt with later when we're able to deal with it. So at three, she was not able to process the fact that she almost drowned. But she was able to process it as a, in her 50s, as an older woman, process that fear, realize that she was not going to drown, and um, release those fears and those emotions, and and forgive, and forgive those involved in um, why she was in the water and not, and whatever happened, you know, she had to just forgive people, and and really redesign that memory, and, and that is what released her from some of those um, fears of premature death. Interesting. Okay, speaking of forgiveness, what how do unforgiveness and um, just kind of that anger and bitterness, how can that influence um, our epigenetics? How can that influence our genes? How can that influence whether or not a cancer switch gets flipped? Yes, that's a great question. And the first thing I would say about unforgiveness and bitterness is that the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota is a secular hospital um, well-known for cancer treatments and a lot of people travel to the Mayo. But as a hospital um, that is geared towards cancer, they state that all of their cancer patients typically have bitterness, unforgiveness, and someone that they need to forgive. This is not a church telling um, us this. This is a hospital that uh, that sees um, cancer patients all the time, day in and day out. And I would say that every single one of my um, cancer, my clients that I work with with cancer, typically have to forgive either themselves or other people in their lives, and they haven't been able to resolve that that bitterness and unforgiveness, and sometimes the offense that goes with that. And there's many studies that link cancer and unforgiveness because bitterness increases that output of cortisol in the body, puts stress on the HP access like we were talking about, actually suppresses the immune system, and creates an internal state of chronic stress. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people out there are going to be like uh, a lot people maybe that have experienced cancer or um, know somebody that experienced cancer might almost take offense to that, like that they might be holding on to unforgiveness or bitterness or or saying, I don't have I'm I'm not harboring resentment against anybody. And I think it's interesting that you included self in that because maybe there's no one. Uh, an obvious person in our lives that we might be holding that, you know, holding that unforgiveness or anger or bitterness, but it could be ourselves um, in some way. And it just, of course, leads me to, you know, to the Bible thinking of how, how we are called to forgive. And it's not to let another person off the hook, which is why I think people are so, um, resistant and hesitant to mm-hmm. forgive because they have they feel like it's letting another person off the hook but forgiveness is for you it is for yes your health and your benefit because 
when we don't forgive, we do hold on to this anger and this bitterness and this resentment, which trigger these um, these stressful chemicals in the body. There is this. That's what people have to understand that there is this direct connection between how we feel and the chemicals that it produces in the body, which influence our genes and yes. influence whether or not, or, you know, contribute. I'm not, we're not saying it's the only cause, but absolutely contribute and influence to whether or not these cancer genes get turned on or off. Yes, exactly. Um, so, okay. Something you said earlier, talking about this kind of place where earthly realms cross um, heavenly realms, where physical realms cross spiritual realms. You know, I talk about this a lot in the podcast where I have these experiences where I, you know, I, when I'm connecting with God or where I'm hearing the Holy Spirit talk to me, you know, um, or just getting that overwhelming feeling. And I describe it as, you know, the earthly realms crossing with the heavenly realms and just in, in crossing into that spiritual realm. Yes. And, um, you know, we are, we are more spiritual beings than we are physical beings. I mean, we're only in our physical yes. bodies for, you know, so long, but we are, and we are created in God's image. We are spiritual beings. I don't, this feels like heady stuff for some people. They're like, but it's true. It's truth, you know, and whether people know it or not, these things occur, you know, that this crossing of uh, physical and spiritual worlds happen. Um, yes. Can you speak to that a little bit more in your experience? Yes. Yes. And I, I really find that the physical body responds to spiritual divine moments and that healing and a spontaneous remission sense with cancer, many times it's on the spiritual side, having that spiritual encounter with God, that revelation, that internal transformation that only God can bring. Really, when Japanese research, I would be very curious to um, hearing specific case studies of the Japanese research that finds that spontaneous remission occurs within 24 hours of a profound internal transformation. And as a Christian and um, in my own life, the only time that I've really gone through internal transformation has really been in moments of revelation from God, of God moving in my life and enlightening me with truth. And I... I experienced my own um, healing from a cystic condition, polycystic ovary syndrome, by God revealing the truth about his grace and that I was truly forgiven and that I wasn't c condemned. The enemy wanted me to be under condemnation and always be um, thinking at myself less than and being very self-critical. But God gave me such a profound revelation of the grace of God and the perfection that I can receive through Jesus Christ. Um, being my perfection and, and living the perfect life that I can never live. I had this profound revelation in Cape Town after God told me, get off your birth control. I'm going to heal you from 
polycystic ovary syndrome and I had been off of birth control for nine months with no cycle because I couldn't have a cycle without birth control. And in Cape Town, God gave me this profound revelation of grace and I felt condemnation break off of me like it was a weight. And the next day, I had a cycle for the first time in my life. I was 28 mm -hmm. years old. First time in my life having a cycle without birth control. And I knew God healed me. And I knew it was because condemnation was causing cysts to form my ovaries. That the root of the cystic condition in my physical body was condemnation and was my continual thought patterns of self-criticism, of accusation, of lies from the enemy that I was believing that impacted my physical body. That is amazing. That is amazing. Yeah. I've, you know, I think what we're talking about today is going to be very new and foreign <laughs> to mm -hmm. a lot of people listening. And, um, maybe, you know, hard to understand, but, um, but what is interesting and just through this, this study, um, of epigenetics and how that's becoming more and more, more studied, you know, um, I'm thinking of, um, Dr. Bruce Lipton. I'm sure that you're yes. familiar. He has a book called the biology of belief, and yes. he is a, an epigenetic scientist essentially who um, really discovered the way that the mind affects the cells. I mean, specifically the cell membranes, if I'm remembering correctly, that was a very yes. dense book. Uh, yes, <laughs> very, amazing. Very dense book. But here is what I, I feel like. I feel like science is always catching up to what the Bible has already told us. Yes. I, you know, it, it feels like I know all of the answers, all of these things are in the Bible. They're not straightforward. The Bible doesn't mm -hmm. say if you don't forgive, um, this could, you know, create a, a chemical bath in your body that can lead to cancer. You know, sure. um, that's yeah. where the science piece of it comes in and, you know, fills in some gaps, but those spiritual truths are the, are the foundation of our health. And, um, and as, you know, as science progresses, and this is going to be studied more and more, this is going to be coming out more and more. And um, I just, I feel like it's so important to, to address it and, and address it, um, knowing that, this is in the word of God and we, you know, he will guide us and lead us if we seek that spiritual guidance, you know, for yes. you, like for, for you, um, you know, some people do get a hit over the head with revelation, you know, but and for a lot of us, we, we got to be seeking God. We got to be looking for it. We got to be reading the word. We have to be yes. open. We have to be receiving of that. Exactly. Um, and so it's why, that you know we are talking about spirit mind and body as a full health package and why you know i always say that that's the order because you always hear uh, mind body mm -hmm. spirit but to me it's like your spirit yes. um, you know you want the holy spirit to drive your mind and yes. then your mind is what will drive your body and when we do it in that order 
that is where we find health, you know, our, exactly. our most profound, profound health. Um, okay. So speaking of all of the, all of this, like spiritual and earthly realms and all of these kind of bring in this idea, cause I think we're kind of crossing over into this idea of quantum physics. Yes. Can you explain, you know, kind of what that is and how yes. they play this role, you know, in with the body? Sure. So I'll, I'm going to try to explain quantum physics in a really basic way. Please but do. <laughs> I'm going to try to really strip it down as much as I can. But quantum physics is, for me, quantum physics really is the place where the spirit realm and the physical body and our physical experience converge. Mm -hmm. And quantum physics, basic in the basic sense, so we have our cells. Our cells make up our body. But what makes up our cells? Atoms. Atoms make up our cells, and atoms are vibrating energy. They are vibrating energy that causes frequencies to run throughout our bodies and communicate to every part of the body. The body's communicating through frequencies. God created the universe by speaking. But if you look at a deeper level, the, the words God spoke carried frequencies that created the earth. And frequencies is what continues to connect our world to um, us being connected to each other, being connected to God, being connected to the spiritual reality, and even while we're confined by time and space. But your body on a physical level, because of quantum physics principles and that atoms undergird every single cell and have a vibrating energetic component, your body functions more similar to how a piano a piano functions. So a, I grew up playing the piano. And when you can get to the point of playing a piano and you can, when you start playing a song and you hear that disconcordant note, you know, oh my gosh, we need to tune this piano. This is like nails on a chalkboard. This sounds horrible. And the piano needs to be tuned. Your physical body, because of frequency, can actually need tuning. And so some of this of uh, what we've been talking about, deep thinking, meditation, connecting to our core beliefs and allowing for internal transformation, some of this really is about fine-tuning and actually shifting frequency in your body because disease has been found to have a unique energy signature. Diseased cancer tissue emits a unique energy signature that has been found and has been studied and an ideal frequency that has been studied at Eastern State University and studies in 1992 found that the frequency should be 62 to 68 hertz, but when the frequency drops within a person's body, the immune system becomes suppressed and compromised and disease can develop. And so disease results with inharmonious frequencies. And those frequencies come from thought patterns, emotions, and beliefs that actually have 
atomic energy that is has frequencies, these atoms carry those frequencies that communicate to the rest of the body. So for example, if you believe that you are abandoned because your mom and dad left you at daycare an extra two hours, didn't pick you up on time, and you have this belief in your subconscious mind flashing, I'm abandoned, I'm abandoned, and every time you're in a relationship, it ends, and you again believe the lie that you're abandoned, or you get a divorce, you believe the lie that you're abandoned. That frequency is a disconcordant, inharmonious frequency that can actually be a contributing factor to the disease in the body. Okay, how, how would somebody, how do they discover that or measure that in cancer tissue? Sure, so frequencies can be measured even through CAT scans, MRIs, PET scans. They pick up on the energetic component to disease. And so these energetic components have actually been measured for for many years and understood the, the energetic side to diseased cancer tissue. Whoa. I told you all that you had to sniff your peppermint oil today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I mean, this is uh, some people are gonna be like this is crazy but um this this is an area of health that i've kind of been studying under the radar for so long and found so fascinating and um what i feel like has real you know the way that i have connected to god and felt led to move into this work is just you know really that um, feeling that connection between the um, the earthly and the spiritual realms, um, mm -hmm. it is just it just fascinates me. It absolutely fascinates me. Um, well, okay, we are kind of coming up on time here, and I know your baby is about to wake up, y'all. Megan has a baby, yes. and um, the baby has been undergoing sleep training. So, right, yes. Megan? Yes, we've been, we've been finally, after nine months of not sleeping, the last two nights I've finally slept like seven hours in a row, which has not happened. Um, and so I'm ecstatic about sleep. I'm so, I'm so happy for you. <laughs> yes, my brain finally can work in a normal way. <laughs> they hired a sleep trainer, y'all, just so you know, yes. you're probably going to get flooded with like, I need to know about the sleep trainer. Um, <laughs> But, yeah. uh, okay, so I know your baby's going to wake up soon. So um, is there anything that we didn't cover? I feel like we covered a lot. But is there anything to, like, cover, you know, tied up with a bow or anything? Sure. You know, I also I kind of wanted like to know, you know, if somebody comes to you with a cancer diagnosis or even just, you know, in a, hopes of preventing cancer if there's, you know, genes in the family and they're worried about it, you know, what does that look like? They come in and sit down and how do you start and what do you, what does that look like for them? Sure. That's a great question. I created Cancer Peace University to have a foundational approach to help my clients not only understand their diagnosis, but take the steps that are necessary to have internal transformation and to set the stage for their body to get to the root issues of why cancer developed in the first place based on a lot of the things that we talked about today 
but also based on the nutritional side and the lifestyle changes that need to occur. And so Cancer Base University, so my clients actually go through an educational curriculum. Um, I created videos on a membership platform. My clients actually sign up for this membership site where they can access all the videos. It's 25 hours of clinical information on cancer, on the holistic side, on the emotional side, on the spiritual side, and the quantum healing side. And, and then I go through sessions with my clients, typically work with my clients in phases of about, about four months to nine months, depending upon um, the condition and the diagnosis. And um, my clients watch videos in between our 90-minute sessions, and then I give them their detoxification diet plan, their supplement plan that is needed to support the body, um, and basically um, go through and help them to engage in um, the core belief therapy that I was talking about today. Wow. And so that's what I'm talking about, y'all. This is a full uh, spirit, mind, body approach um, that Megan has going on here through Cancer Peace University. And you also train other practitioners I do. to so that they can um, use the same modalities in their in their own practices. What what does that look like? in case somebody's interested. Yes, that's a great question. So I train other holistic practitioners to become a holistic cancer expert. And so I also have curriculum and a four and a half month training program for holistic practitioners that can graduate and can actually become a Cancer Peace University instructor. And I'm launching Cancer Peace University instructors um, around the globe, actually, in order to educate people on what is cancer and to really set the stage for other health practitioners to have confidence, knowledge, and success in supporting someone with cancer. Wow. Okay. So do you uh, run that? Uh, we talked about it a little bit last time, and uh, don't you have something coming up this month I in do. October? I do. Yes. Um, yeah, good memory. I have my mini course, my six-week mini courses starting October 22nd and that's for holistic practitioners to basically get their feet wet a little bit see what the curriculum is about um, see test out um, niching in cancer if that's the right feel for them and decide if they want to enroll in the full course and our next full course is in February of 2020 okay so the mini course starts October 22nd and then yes and um, the, the full course starts in February and so if exactly if, if there are any health practitioners listening that you know are interested in that they can go to cancer peace university look into that but if there yes. um if there's somebody that is um dealing with a cancer diagnosis or has somebody close to them that is they can also go to cancer peace university and find the membership site if they want to exactly work through your program correct exactly Yes. Okay. Okay. So that is that's where it's at, y'all. At cancerpeaceuniversity.com. Go um, and check out these amazing resources that um, that Megan has. Megan, before we go, last time. So when I have repeat guests, I don't always ask you know the anchor questions. But um, sure. But last time we talked, your anchor meal was a homemade gluten-free tortilla with salad and veggies and you were really into Romanesco and figs and you said yes. that you kind of get on a meal and you and you just eat it until you 
you know, yes, you're so done with, you wear it out. So I was like, I wore out Enya. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I think a lot of us wear out Enya. So I had to ask if that was still your meal or if you're onto a new anchor meal and what it is. That's a good question. I'm actually in a transition. I haven't had my anchor meal in a week and a half. So I think I'm trying to find my new anchor meal. (laughs) (laughs) You've moved beyond it. Okay. I think I did wear it it all, yeah. (laughs) That is so funny. Okay, so you don't have a new one yet. Well, maybe now that you're sleeping better, you'll... (laughs) I'll come up with an idea. You'll have a great idea. Oh, that's so funny. Oh, my goodness. Megan, thank you so much for joining us again today. And all of you out there, thank you for listening. Um, I hope that you found this fascinating and that you were, you know, open to, um, you know, open to this and, and really, um, considering that and knowing that health is a full spirit, mind, body package, and that we can't isolate it and it all works together. And it's why we need to stay in God's word. It's why we have to manage our minds and our emotions and, follow biblical principles to do so because we know we'll always be led in the physical in a better way when we do. So thanks for listening, y'all. I hope you have a healthy and blessed week and I will talk to you soon. Remember that my mom is an awesome nutritionist, but she's not a doctor. The information in this podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Always talk to your doctor before making changes to your nutrition or exercise program. Thanks for listening. Have a healthy and blessed week.